Hey friends, I appreciate you tuning into the Deal Farm podcast where I hope you feel at least mildly entertained and possibly even inspired to take big action towards improving your life and your business. On this episode, Kevin and I sit down with Michael Slockers out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Michael has been a full-time real estate investor for all of two months, but already has upwards of four deals cooking and has a great approach and outlook to the business. Stay tuned as we climb back into the mindset of a brand new investor and how to achieve early success right out of the gates. Hey, Ken, how's it going today? Oh, man, I could not be better. You could always be better. No, nope. always be nope. better. Not today. Not today. As good not as it today. gets. As good as it, it gets. It's a pretty good day. I got to say, it's a pretty great day. Yeah, except it's uh, like 35 degrees in March, which is kind of a bummer. Other yeah. than that, couldn't be better. Do you get a lot of snow this year? Zero. Zero snow, man. Zilch. Zilch. We got maybe half an inch, just a dusting was about it. It's kind of been a weird, it's been a weird winter. I mean, it started off so stinking cold in uh, in December, like had these record lows, and then, then it basically turned to spring right after that. And you see what's going on out west. Like they're getting pounded with snow right now. Like what's going on up like at Lake Tahoe and, and the Sierra Nevadas and the Rockies. You're getting absolutely clobbered. I kind of want to take a quick flight out and just like let the kids have some snow time in California because they're getting pummeled with snow. Yeah, you could fly out there. You just couldn't land because all the runways are covered in 10 feet of snow. That's a problem. That could be yeah. a problem. So what's new in your world this week? I got some exciting stuff going on. Uh, you know, I was talking to a guy here recently, Michael Slockers. You know him? I do know him. He just happens to be one of our franchisees. How fantastic. So is funny that? that you brought him up. Yeah. So he is new, right? He just launched recently. He's out in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Had a chance to spend a little time with him. Just a great guy. Like yeah. what a great yeah. fit for Red. Totally. He's one of those guys who's he's a great fit for Red Barn. Great fit for us. And uh, just launched and uh, out in Tulsa. And it's just it's been a great launch. He just it's been a, a great start for him. Yeah. And it's encouraging to see that, you know. Well, it's funny. I remember, you know, interviewing him early on and how analytical he was super analytical, definitely got the engineering background. Okay. And I was like, he's going to be great when it comes to running numbers and, and probably great on the reno side, you know, but we'll, you know, we'll see if he overthinks, overanalyzes, you know, doesn't take action. You just never know when, when somebody's, you know, carrying in sort of their, their background with them. And it's been only amazing to see him. Yeah take this background his great warm personality and then just translates to just deal after deal already right out of the gates yeah some people that get get you know they have what is it paralysis by analysis they just right. you know they look at it and look at it and look at it and then they never moved and he's he's got a good balance of, of being able to do the numbers do the research make sure something pencils but he's got a good relational side too right he's not afraid to move on a deal when it's there exactly yeah i would love to talk to him what about you Let's have him on today and find out what's going on in his world. You think we should invite him on today? Let's it with it's short notice. I'm going to text him right now and see if he wants to come on. I'm texting him. He said, yes, he wants to be on the show. All right, let's bring him, bring him right now. I'm sending him the zoom invite right now. Let's see if I can get him on. Yep. He's ready. He's ready. He's on. All right, let's get him. Bring him in. in. So Michael, welcome to the show. How are you doing, man? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Oh man, we are thrilled to have you. Love that oh. hat, by the way. Love the hat. Good yeah. Almost hat. as good as the buck on the wall behind you there. Yeah, yeah. This is the hat that I wear every day, not just for your podcast. So <laughs> nice. It's every day. Love that. Yeah. 
I do like the juxtaposition of the red barn hat right next to the buck on the wall. There's something nice about that. There you go. <laughs> taking down wildlife, taking down real estate. That's right. right. Yes, sir. I like it. I like Hilarious. it. So, so Michael, uh, you are only two months into your real estate investing career and you're, you're having a lot of success. And I thought it'd be really cool to bring you on and just talk about kind of where you're at, how you feel two months in because you know a lot of folks they're a couple months in and they're on shaky ground they're not sure how to feel but i would love to just do, take your temperature and just kind of walk us through how it feels to only be two months into your into your initial real estate investing career okay so little backgrounds to to kind of put the color on that is that um i started real estate uh about eight years ago uh, but it was a hobby it was on the side of my my full-time career you know so it was uh, slow going, but it was, it, like I said, it was a hobby. It was something to, you know, try and build some uh, passive income. And um, so what I'm two months into is my restart of my real estate career. Because I took a couple of years off. Um, and then back in uh, November last year, so about four months ago, I signed on with with Red Barn. And, and so we started marketing in January. Um, and... A lot of the skills that I learned, you know, starting eight years ago have, have helped me, I think, hit the ground running. Um, and uh, as I was telling Ken earlier, I'm, I'm really having fun with it. I, I, it's really something that I'm truly, uh, for the most part, enjoying. So that's a rare thing for me to be able to say that I'm enjoying the work that I'm doing. So in, six, in 60 days in, you're having great success. Like, like you're off to the races. Yeah, we are. We've got uh, several properties under contract and a couple good leads in the in the pipeline. So yeah, we're we are. Um, it's it's been successful in my mind in terms of deal flow and things like that. Yeah, nice. Well, so again, for context, you've been in the corporate world W two all the way up until now. This is your first time kind of stepping out into the world of like full time entrepreneurship. Is that right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I. 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 Uh, quit the corporate world um, two years ago and just kind of took some time off. Uh, and then I started this, you know, a few months ago after some some good soul searching and trying to find the right fit. So, yeah. And what was your what line of work were you in? Uh, I was in, I, I call myself a recovering engineer. I, I was a mechanical engineer by, you know, by degree, uh, but primarily in leadership. Um, and uh, continuous improvement. So just trying to find efficiencies in the company and things like that. So, right. Yeah. It, which it's always interesting the backgrounds that people come from when they find their way into into full time real estate or with or with Red Barn. And so we, you know you never know. You know, there's so many facets to the real estate investing. You know, it's the whole human personal interaction component, but then it's the analytical component of should I buy this? Should I not buy it? And how much money should I put in? There's so many different elements that you have to bring to the table. Do you mm -hmm. feel like maybe that engineering background has helped you stepping into this world? Uh, in a sense, I have, uh, I do, but I, I think more than anything, you know, any engineer and any leader in, in the corporate world is doing the same thing that we're doing in real estate world to me, and that is solving problems, right? So there's problems coming at us every day in the corporate world from a business standpoint or a personnel standpoint and you know, the, the bigger problems that you solve, the more you get paid and the higher you go up in the company and that type of thing. Um, to me, what we're dealing with in real estate is problem solving, right? 
right? There's people out there who are looking to sell a house. There's people out there looking to buy a house. Um, and so a lot of those come with, you know, as my attorney says, they come with hair on them, right? They've, they've mm -hmm. got some kind of pain attached to them. And if you can solve those problems, you'll be successful. That's how I look at it. So I, I think that's the best skill that I was equipped to go into real estate uh, with. Yeah. In, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it really is absolutely about talking to a motivated seller, but on their pain point is typically a problem. And it's a problem that really, if you can come and present a solution that makes mm -hmm. sense, that's a win-win, that's the angle that I feel like investors have the most success with is let me solve this problem for you. And it sounds like yeah. it's a great angle. So maybe talk to us for just a second about maybe a couple of the first deals that you've put under contract in these first two months and sort of what those have looked like and how that approach has worked for you. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's pretty easy to tell usually on the phone within the first few minutes, if somebody is truly a, a good fit for us. Right. Um, and because those pain points come out quickly. So um, one example of one, the, the one deal that we've actually closed so far uh, was a lady who had a house and man, it was just in really rough shape. And she was uh, personally trying to put the money into it to get it fixed up. And I think she just really had, um, she was in over her head. She'd owned it for a long time. It had been trashed and whatnot. Um, and I went in there and looked at the work that was being done. And I, I mean, I didn't know how to tell her, but I was like, this is some pretty terrible craftsmanship that you're paying good money for. And um, I knew immediately that I didn't want the house. Um, and I, I, because of my history in real estate investing, I was a little bit trepidatious about wholesaling still. Mm -hmm. um, and this was the first deal where I felt like this is absolutely a wholesale because I don't want this house. Right. And I told her straight up, I do not want this house but I have a network of investors who may want it. Right. And um, so, yeah, seeing her pain point being in over her head, that, that was, that was the pain. That was the problem to solve. Right. Um, so being able to say like, I, we could try this wholesale and we could potentially get you paid in, you know, in 20 days. And, and wouldn't you rather have all this money instead of this headache of, you know, a year more worth of, work and that type of thing. The other one, Ken, that comes to mind is that I, I had a, uh, we have one under contract right now and the way the lead came into the system, um, I, I saw the lead come in and it said, uh, best callback time, ASAP, I'm going through divorce and foreclosure. Money. Okay. So, <laughs> so, so guess when I called them, right? Yeah. <laughs> ASAP. Right. And yeah. um, we we made an appointment that same day for 4 p.m. And we had it under contract, you know, at 5 p.m., that type of thing. Um, so just highly motivated. Um, and the best thing that I can offer to them is to help them avoid foreclosure. Right. right? So right. when it came down to it, what that seller wanted was a payoff of their mortgage so they, they could avoid the foreclosure. They don't need a bunch of money. They just want to get out of the problem that they're in. Yeah. Um, so those are the two examples that, that come to mind. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. 60 days in and you're already knocking down a, a couple of solid Now you have a couple that you feel like are warm as well. Yeah, we've got, um, we've actually got one more under contract, which we will buy tomorrow actually. Um, and that's going to be a flip. 
Um, the story on that one is that it's uh, the owners, the house has been vacant for 10 years. The owners had, they should have sold it a long time ago, but instead they let family move in. Um, I've bought a number of houses from people who let family move in. I'm sure you guys have done a lot more. Totally. Um, you, often that doesn't end well. And uh, so this house was, yeah, real beat up, hasn't, hasn't been lived in for 10 years. So uh, structurally it's good, but we're going to go in and uh, flip it. We, we should um, do pretty well on that. So, um, and then, yeah, there's a couple others in the pipeline that I believe could turn into something with some, time and nurture and that type of thing. So so what kind of price points are you finding in Tulsa? What are, where <laughs> kind of are you operating at? What's that price point level? Yes, you guys are probably going to laugh at this being in your market, but um the properties that I've that I've dealt with um on on these three deals, want this one we're closing tomorrow, we're paying 35,000 for. Wow. It's a three it's three bedroom, one bath uh two car garage yeah. and it's kind of in a, in a town that's a little bit removed from Tulsa. So a little bit smaller of a town, but um, the one that we wholesaled, that was a $32,000 mm-hmm. uh, purchase price. Wow. And then this other one, this, this foreclosure one, it's in the 90,000 range and it probably um, retails for 180. Okay. Um, but most of my rental stuff, I mean, it's it's two two hundred and fifty thousand and less, all the way down to I would say fifty thousand dollars, kind of market price. So, yeah. I mean, that price point, you know, clearly lends itself to rentals. Is that part of your sort of long term strategy? Is to to build a rental portfolio? Yeah, uh, we we've got uh, about a dozen rentals, and um, I would like to flip and wholesale, but also as it makes sense, keep two rentals a year. I think that would be, you know, I like to think 10 years down the road to have 20 rentals. Um, you know, my family would probably be well taken care of at that point, um, in the long term. Yep. So yep. I, I always tell everybody rentals are not going to make you rich quick. No, no, they're not. <laughs> uh, they, they're going to make you frustrated quick potentially, but they won't make <laughs> you rich. Uh, but long term, man, it's been, it's been a huge blessing for us. So, yeah. Uh, that's a hundred percent right. I mean, like, the way I look at rentals is don't ever plan on cash flow, just reinvest, keep it in ready to day fund, and then watch the sucker appreciate over time. And like you said, 10, 20 years down the road, you've paid down the mortgage considerably. It's appreciated yep. considerably. And all of a sudden you're sitting on a stack of equity, mm-hmm. but it's very much a long range view. I feel like. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. So well, tell us maybe again, you're two months in, you're still kind of trying to figure your groove out to some extent, obviously having some success. What is your date? What's a typical day look like for you? Um, typical day. I usually try to try to be on. I'm one thing I, I've been maybe unprepared for with taking some time off between corporate world and this is how much time I spend on the phone. <clears throat> a lot of that is just trying to get people to pick up the phone, you know, yeah. because like me, they don't answer an unknown phone number. Um, so it can be a little bit hard to get a hold of people, but I'm probably spending uh, an average of, one and a half to two and a half hours a day kind of in my lead system and on the phones. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm probably spending another <clears throat> hour of the day working on deals under contract with our attorney and mm-hmm. trying to clear up, clear obstacles, communicate with sellers, that type of thing. Yep. Um, the, the wholesale that took 
you know, a chunk of time because it, that was new territory for me. So trying to really establish, um, you know, the, the methods to communicate to my team, I got, I got booted out of, uh, I got blacklisted from MailChimp, uh, my first, my first day ever to use it, but, oh, where's uh, day? Where's where's day? yeah, I mean, so, so, you know, some of those things take the, take the wind out of your sails. But like I said earlier, being a problem solver, I actually, I talked to, um, Tracy with, with Red Barn mm-hmm. and, uh, he helped me kind of work around that and, and basically open up a new MailChimp account and do better the next time. Um, so a uh, little bit of time on that, um, a little bit of time in the local Facebook groups of the real estate investors, just to make sure that I'm aware of kind of what's out there and really who's out there. Um, and I would say that's it. I mean, I, I probably am putting in five hours a day. Um, and the rest is, you know, family time, basically. Nice. Um, if there's appointments, obviously I'll, I'll go on those as needed. And, and those can often take a couple of hours with drive time. So uh, I like to keep some time available for that. Yeah. And tell us about, tell us uh, listeners about your family. We were talking about it right before we hopped on. I mean, when you talk about spending time with family, you've got some family to spend time with. <laughs> yeah, we've got, um, yeah, I've got my, my wife and five kids. Our kids are 14 all the way down to four. Um, and I, you know, my goal is to say yes, as much as I possibly can. So uh, when they want to wrestle, I want to be able to say yes. When they want to go to the zoo, which we're doing right after this call, I want to be able to say yes, you know? So, um, I, I, they are absolutely my priority and, um, it's no success is really worth it. If you have to sacrifice your family, that that's one of the best, one of the biggest reasons I kind of chose to go down this path as opposed, opposed to some other options is because of the balance. Like this isn't an emergency business. If, if I don't want to go take a lead that doesn't seem like a really hot lead, I may be giving up on something, mm-hmm. but I, it's a decision that I'm allowed to make in, in my own accord, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, family is just critically important to me. And this business, you're, you don't have a partner. You don't have, I mean, you're, you're taking the lead on this. You're running this business pretty much out of your home by yourself. Yeah. I'm, I'm running it by myself um, for now. Yeah. I mean, I, I would love to have somebody do some of these phone calls, even though it's not a huge time chunk. It doesn't energize me. <laughs> uh, but uh, the leads are good. So the, the phone call, that's not the end of the world either. Um, what, I, what I would love in the future is to be busy enough to be able to justify more of a general contractor on, on my team. Because mm-hmm. um, I've, I've potentially got some trust issues with general contractors who, who aren't uh, on my team. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Well, at the rate you're going, you know, as you start picking up a couple of flips, especially if they're larger projects, you're, we'll see if you can keep that five five hours a day. It's going to, oh yeah, unless yeah. you unless you step up, like you said, I think that's not a bad idea. Get to a point where you bring somebody on that's managing those projects for you. I think that makes a lot of sense. Right. Yep. So, um, so talk to us for just a second about your buyers list because again, you're two months you're two months in, and it does take a little. You know, it takes a buyer's list is one of those things that you're always working on. Like as for as long as you're in this business, you should always be networking and adding new buyers into your network. So two months in, obviously, you know, you've sort of got a young list. How have you been able to solve that? Cause your very first deal a month in, you did a wholesale deal. Um, what had you sort of prepared for and, and planned ahead to, to be able to sell that to a buyer? 
Yeah, um, great question. And that's definitely been a struggle for me because I wasn't really planning on primarily doing wholesaling um, is that I didn't have a great buyer's list. I, I had purchased uh, two different, I'd worked with two different uh, gig people on Fiverr, you know, to get buyer's lists. Those came out with, uh, I would say, pretty low quality, uh, especially one of them. I ended up, we ended up canceling the gig and not even not even paying for it. But I did get a couple hundred out of that, mm -hmm. a couple hundred uh, buyers uh, or alleged buyers, I should say. Mm -hmm. um, so those were all skip traced and everything. So I came out with a list of about 500 people and about 300 uh kind of 300 of those people had email addresses. So I put those into my system. I also had an old buyers list from my previous business that was just, it was very small, maybe 50 people. Um, but 50 people that I knew were real buyers. Like I met them at the sheriff's auction and that type of thing. Nice. Um, but ultimately what, what has helped me really build my buyers list is getting my deals out onto the Facebook group. Uh, as well as going or the Facebook groups, as well as going back into the history of those Facebook groups and looking for deals and Facebook messaging those people with my MailChimp link that says, Hey, if you want to be on my buyer's list, um, you know, here's a link to get on it. Uh, and my, my buyer for the wholesale came from Facebook. Nice. So, um, so yeah, I met him and, um, definitely somebody I could do business with again in the future. Great person. So awesome. Yeah, and it only yeah. takes a couple. And that's what you know, a lot of people mm -hmm. think they need this massive 10,000 person list. Not really. A lot of your best wholesalers have five go-to buyers, just, mm -hmm. you know, big, big time flippers or, or buyers that have a big appetite. That's all you need is, is yeah. a handful of good ones. Yeah. Uh, and I love the fact that you're, you're networking in a Facebook group. What other networking opportunities have you found in, in Tulsa? Cause I think that's a great way to, to build your network. You know, um, back to family being the priority, I really struggle with the the real estate groups because they always want to meet during dinner time. And um, that's just, if there were a lunch group, I would be, and maybe I need to start one. Yeah. Um, some of the best networking I've done, Ken, is uh, really just with my contractors themselves, right? Because mm -hmm. contractors will connect you to other contractors. Uh, and the more people that you get connected to that way, one, you can find great contractors, which you have to have in this business. But two, as you tell people that you're buying properties, they start to, you know, that it kind of creates a chatter. And so as they hear of something, they think of, I want them to think of me and, and bring it to me. Um, so that, you know, I've got one of my contractors who wants me to help him get into the business by seller financing him a house that he could then flip or rent. And I, I love that idea. Like I would love to help somebody be somebody else be successful. Um, and so those types of relationships I've found a lot more value in than quote the real estate investors uh, clubs, just because I'm not as available for those, unfortunately. But mm -hmm. yep. yeah. Yeah. I think it makes, it's funny. I, I went when I first got in the business, this is back in 2005. I think I went to one or two of those RIAs and, uh, and I don't know if I ever went back. <laughs> I mean, I went back once or twice because same thing. It's like the other side of town. It was at night. It was such a kind of a pain. But there, mm -hmm. I, even since then, I feel like lots of smaller RIAs have popped up. Like nowadays, it's a very common thing to start your own meetup group or to have one that's local to you. And like you said, if you if it's your group, you can make set the time whenever you want. But it's a, yeah. 
it's a great opportunity to trade deals. And I think you're going to, you'll definitely find yourself in this when you start networking and finding other wholesalers and other investors, you start trading deals. It becomes really mm -hmm. common. Like, Hey, I got this deal. You got this deal. Let's let's swap. Or you buy this for me. I'll buy this from you. And it, mm -hmm. it honestly can become a great, not just a buyer's list, but honestly a place to acquire properties as well. Yeah, that's great. Good point. Yep. So again, I know our time's winding down, but I want to just maybe take a 30,000 foot view. How does it feel to, you know, for you to, to jump ship, left the W2, launched into entrepreneurship, you're two months in, big picture. How, how do you feel about things? I feel very optimistic. I'm, I'm like I said, I'm, it's the first time that I can say I really enjoy um, the work that I'm doing. And part of that enjoyment is being able to work for myself and, and really chart my own path forward. I can work this as hard as I want to. Um, and I can get as busy as I want to. And, and you know, I can, I tend to put some pressure on myself in terms of like, okay, we've got this house. We're, we're buying this house tomorrow. I need to be there Friday to get, start getting utilities and contractors. I'm like, you know what? It's $35,000 that's going to be sitting out there. It's not the end of the world. If that flip takes me six months um, for the sake of my sanity, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's an hour drive away. So um, that felt like a lot of pressure it being that far away, but, I'm really, like I said, I can take it at my own pace and I can keep working other, other deals and leads in the meantime. So super optimistic and um, also excited that it's an opportunity where my family could be involved. I would love for my kids to get a, get the feeling of a good hard, hard days work, cleaning out a nasty house. Like I think yeah. people need to experience that. Yeah. And uh, you know, sometimes our kids are too, have it a little bit too easy. Um, <laughs> So I would love for, for some of those things to kind of come to fruition as well. So love it. It's funny. I'm, I'm the same way. We try to bring our kids on job sites when we can, if we, this, this is last Friday, we'd acquired a house that, uh, where they had literally left everything in the house. I think somebody passed away, unfortunately, but it was like, mm. it was a time capsule from 1960. Nothing oh. was new and nothing had been moved. And so we, uh, we took the kids and we're like, all right, you got two minutes. We're gonna let you into the house. And whoever can find the coolest objects, <laughs> it was a full-blown treasure hunt. And like, oh, we timed great. them, we record, and they love that sort of thing. Like just yeah. pouring through a house and, or demo day. We've taken on demo days, you know, where you go in there with a sledgehammer and you knock some walls yeah. down and same thing. It's, I think it's great to have an opportunity to expose your kids to the business that you're in and mm -hmm. maybe they fall in love with it. Maybe they don't, but at least they, you know, they, they see their, their parents or their dad hard at work and teaching them work ethic and entrepreneurship and all those great qualities. Yeah. Well, one of the, you know, one of the reasons I actually started eight years ago in this is because I'm, I met this multimillionaire and I was, had the opportunity to have a conversation with him. And he said, uh, he was telling me this story about how he bought his, uh, I think son, a house when he turned 16 and it was a, it was a rent house. He let his son pick it. He, he gave him three options and said, pick one of these three. And his son learned to run this little business of a rent house because every rent house is a business, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, income, expenses, and people, and uh, you know, decisions and that type of thing. I I love that idea. That's actually why I started. Um, so I think you know, getting into a position now we're we're not in Atlanta, so buying the kids a house with a you know on a loan or something like that, or a cash house for thirty five thousand dollars, and letting them run a business. I just, I love that 
um, as an opportunity for them to really get some street smarts in this world, you know, Um, as opposed to just academics or any of that category. So, yeah, I love that idea. Yeah. I've interviewed other folks who similar idea where they, they bought the house one and then it was for the kid, like future, like for, for all, this is your house down the road, but same thing, include them in the, in the P and L's and understanding how it all works. And like, this is yep. going to be yours and, and it also pay for college, you know, who knows what it could do mm-hmm. down the road, you know, that, absolutely. Especially yep. as it appreciates. I love it. I think it's awesome. Yep. You mentioned the, the quick question. You mentioned the multimillionaire, his, his advice to you. Have you had any mentors that, that have been sort of along this journey with you for real estate that either in the past or now that you lean on for <laughs> wisdom or advice or people that you look to as, as you, as you chart this new, uh, this new direction? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I would say, you know, indirectly, certainly you guys, um, I, I've, I, I got my original education from podcasts and books, mm-hmm. um, uh, Red Barn, you know, I work with Dave at Red Barn, who's just fantastic. He, he, so that's a weekly phone call that we have. Um, and then I've got some connections. Like I, I've got a guy that I call my mentor. <laughs> um, he always, you know, pushes back on that. Um, but he's a great flipper here in the Tulsa market. And we've, we've worked with him on some lending and things like that. So he, any flipping questions I have, he's, he's happy to, to answer those things, including going and checking out some of my properties and things like that. So, um, I'm, I'm always, I've always got my ears, you know, kind of open for, for mentor opportunities. Um, but, uh, those are kind of the ones that I've, that I've got cooking right now. And that's been, it's a game changer getting somebody else's opinion on some of these things. Um, it's really, really important. So, yeah. Almost, almost necessary. I feel like in this business to have some, when you're breaking into the yep. business to have somebody you can bounce yep. you know, questions off of and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Any uh, advice? So somebody else is listening to this, they're stuck in their uh, W2 nine to five job. And they're like, man, I wish I was flipping houses. What advice would you give somebody that's considering this, this sort of opportunity? You know, um, I would say do it. <laughs> My advice would be uh, quit reading quit learning and go take action because there's just nothing like action for, for education. Now, I don't know if I could say that in an Atlanta market or something, you know? Um, but if, if, if I could find an ancillary market where there's some affordable stuff to go get my feet wet on, get a mentor and get started, like, um, it's not all about making money. Um, so even if you lose money on your first flip, the the education will be worth whatever you lost mm-hmm. um within reason <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i definitely lost money on a couple early on uh and but it didn't you know didn't look back man took it like you said shocked it up to education and was well on yeah. my way after that and part of it yeah. sometimes you just got to get in the game you know yes you're, absolutely you're not gonna learn yeah. basketball by reading a book like you got to mm-hmm. get in on the court and play before you really understand what basketball is about same thing with real estate investing you just got to get yeah. in the game yep Absolutely. So, well, Michael, this has been really cool to get a perspective of somebody that's really only two months into their business, having mm-hmm. success, obviously f- striking a really good balance between work and family. I mean, I, I feel like the, <laughs> you know, the opportunity for you that lies ahead is going to be tremendous. I can't wait to see what you do with it. And we're thrilled that we get to be part of it. Thank you guys. I appreciate the time. Uh, um, thank you for, for letting me be a part of it. It's been a great adventure so far. So take care, Michael. Thank All you. right. Thanks. Bye. Man. Bye. man, I like Michael. He's such a cool 
great person. I mean, it, I'm just thrilled that he's part of our organization now. You know, I like that he he prioritizes his family. I mean, just very clearly it comes through and everything he says, his family is important. He doesn't kill himself with the business. He's very balanced, just has a very balanced outlook on his business and his family. And I appreciate that about him. Yeah. And a lot of people leave their jobs. They they start a business, you know, for that work-life balance. It doesn't always end up that way. A lot of times you get into a business and you discover, I'm working a lot more than I anticipated. This is a lot of work. But yeah, no kidding. You do have the, you know, that's the great thing about being in this industry is you can kind of set your hours. You can kind of work as much or as little as you want to. You can set your marketing budget. You can set your appointments kind of around your life. And I think he was literally leaving to go take his kid to a zoo, like right he now. Yeah, middle he of the day. The, he's working five hours a day is, is basically what he said, right? So there's 25 hours a week going to the zoo and he's knocking down deals left and right. And the other thing, you know, I think what's interesting about him is a lot of people talk about real estate investing and they think, oh, well, you need to be in Austin or San Diego or Miami or Denver, one of these hot markets. The guy's in Tulsa, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, like Tulsa, I mean, who thinks, oh man, real estate investing Mecca is Tulsa, Oklahoma, but doing great. I doing yeah. really well. Yeah. It, well, and it's obviously, you know, not a major market, but sometimes those sub markets, I feel like he even does kind of what he'd spoke to, the price points are just so stinking reasonable. Yes. You've got so many options. And like even he said, like I can take down a thirty-five thousand dollar house and I if I want to sit on it for a week or two before I get started, it's not, it's not you know, burning a hole in his pocket. Yeah. So secondary markets, you know, you're not you don't have quite as much competition, price points are much more affordable. And when it comes to this, it's, you know, it's about people experiencing life, right? I mean, it, it's not like, you know, we talk about buying off-market properties and he, he referenced, you know, helping people solve problems. And when you buy, there's a reason why a person wants to sell their house as an off-market property, as opposed to calling a realtor and listing it, right? And, and that's has to do with life, people experiencing right, life right. and trying to solve a problem. And it doesn't matter if you're in Tulsa or Denver or Greenville, people experience life wherever they live. Everyone's yep. every, there are people everywhere that have problems they got to solve. Yep. Well, and he hit the nail on the head, I think, when we talked about that. And it's worth maybe extrapolating on is we're not just buyers. You know, I think a lot of times investors get a bad reputation for trying to take advantage of people. And there, I'm sure there's plenty of investors that co go about it the wrong way, where I like his approach. And really what we train in our franchise is you always want to come at it from, I just want to solve this problem for you. Because if they're motivated, there's a reason there. There's a pain point. There's a reason they're motivated. And those are the people we're targeting, the people that may or may not have a, have a pain point. Mm -hmm. And so let us see if we can figure out how to solve this for you. That's the approach. And when you take that approach, I, I swear you, you will end up doubling your business, you know, as opposed to just trying to, to buy it for as cheap as possible. Well, and the other thing is you've got someone at the end of the day who's like, thank you. Thank you for buying my home. Thank you for helping me solve this problem. It, it's right. not someone walking away with a bitter taste in their mouth going, man, I think I just got ripped off. It's, man, they really helped me solve whatever issue it was that was in front of them. Yeah, we just bought a house on Friday, actually, last week. And it was, um, this couple had lived in the house for like 20, 30 years. I mean, it was, nothing was new in the house. Nothing been updated. And they were probably quasi hoarders a little. Eh, maybe not. They were just, you know, there was there was just nothing new and nice and market friendly about the house. And they knew this and we gave them the option of listing it. And then he was like, look, oh, I'll list it. I, we, straight up, we'll get you more money. If you mm -hmm. would let us list it, obviously we want to clean up a little bit and get it listed. We will get you more money. And ultimately they still decided to take our offer. It was almost one of those things like, here's my offer. I know we could get you more if we listed it, but this is, this is the best we can do because 
this is who we are. And we're in the business of, you know, putting money into it and trying to make money. It's not a nonprofit for us. And they still opted to take our offer because it was easier for them. And they did not want the headache of cleaning out the house, updating the house, passing inspections. It really, a lot of people just don't want the merry-go-round of showings. They don't want people coming in their house and seeing all their stuff. Yeah. Or have to negotiate back and forth or have a punch list that they're going to have to work back and forth on. And they just, just cash out. Let's just get our money and let's just get out. Just be done. Let me walk away from this. Because And people inherently know when you put something on the market that people are going to pick it apart. They're going to make an offer and then they're going to get an inspection. They're going to pick, they know their house is crap. They know the house needs work. They don't need you telling them and putting prices on it, negotiating them down. They don't want to go through that headache. Just Let me just get out with a number that I'm comfortable with, and then I don't have to deal with this headache. Well, the other thing, I think in that situation, it's a family that was inheriting the the property. And all of a sudden, you've got siblings who are all having to make the. I mean, imagine if there's a, you know, you're you're trying to negotiate with a potential buyer and then also having to work with siblings who, oh, no, we should get more money. Oh, no, we should get the house painted. And just just cash out. Sometimes it's just easier to cash out. Well, and that's that's one of the beautiful things about probate is that that's a lot of times what happens is you've got multiple parties involved, you've got siblings, and everybody's got a different opinion, and nobody can agree on it. It's like, should we spend the money? Can we spend the money? Should we fix it up? Should we? And at the end of the day, it's just so much easier for everybody to agree to let's just sell it and you know and just move on because we can't agree on what to do with the house. You know, in contrast, I was thinking back talking to Tracy a couple of weeks ago, and he had a, a property. And, you know, the problem that he was trying to solve was an older woman who lived in the home, needed to move in with a family member. And the big thing she was trying to solve was how does she move? She didn't really know anybody could come help pack up. She didn't know how she was going to get moved in with the family. Like how she just, it was a bridge too far to try to figure all of that out. And I think he ended up paying $3,000 out of his own pocket uh, to line up movers to help her. And for her, it was like, it was like having a son that she never had who helped figure out, hey, getting her moved, getting her packed, getting her moved in with a, a family member. And he just took that 3000 and and factored it into the buy and made a fantastic buy. But she felt fantastic because he'd help her come in and, and solve a problem of, of just getting moved in with a family member. Yep. You know, we've paid. I There's been multiple occasions where I've paid hotels for people because mm-hmm. they needed again, they needed somewhere to go straight from closing before they figured out their next living arrangement. And it's like, look, we're going to put you up. We're going to you know, pay for the U-Haul. We're going to put it in storage, whatever whatever it is that they needed to, to make it make sense for them to where it literally at the end of the day, we're shaking hands at the closing table and they're the ones with tears in their eyes because they're just so thrilled that we solved this problem for them. That's right. That's right. And and not everybody in real estate investing has that type of mindset. I think that's part of the reason we're, we're picky on who we award a franchise to because you need to be a good fit for us. Right. Operate with character, operate with integrity, have an approach where, hey, we're really trying to help people yeah. in this business, you know? And on the back end, you want neighbors that are happy, a buyer that's happy, and whoever sold that house to, to be able to say, man, those, those folks treated me well with respect and helped me solve the problem. Yep. And there's been times where we've approached it as we want to solve this problem for you. And we did solve the problem, but we didn't buy the house. Mm-hmm. And to me, it was still the best marketing dollars we could have spent. Is That's because right. you still, you, you, somebody now is going to speak your name to the next person that has a house to sell, or you're building a reputation or you're getting good reviews. But if you're genuinely approaching it as I'm a problem solver, whether or not I buy your house, I'm here to solve your problem. It's mm-hmm. going to, it's going to over time produce opportunities to buy houses. Just well. That's right. Well, think about it. We, we spoke with Jason a few weeks ago, and he was talking about one of his first deals he landed. 
as he walked the house, right? They, they realized, uh, he realized he already had it under contract and the homeowner realized, man, if I had just improved my credit, I could do this as this. He gave the deal up. He was like, Hey, I can help you solve this problem. He gave the deal back to the homeowner, helped them take some steps to improve their credit. But it was just that same mindset wow. of let me help this person. And there's going to be another deal down the road, Yeah. but it's just, it's the way we operate. So we do business, right? Helping people. Yep. Yep. It is, uh, it is one of the first things we train people. It's, uh, it's all in the approach. Because anybody can generate leads, anybody can start a conversation with a potential motivated seller. But the way to win business is to really to win people's hearts is like, this is, we're genuinely here to help you. And whether I buy the house or not, you know, I still want to be able to help you. Yeah. And part of it is, is going through discovery because, you know, anytime with this, you're going to come up with obstacles. You're going to come against obstacles and objections. And this is why this doesn't work for me. And as a problem solver, you're having to understand not only, you know, okay, what's the problem they think why this won't work, but what's the motivating factor? Why is it that they think this is impossible, right? And Mm -hmm. so overcoming objections isn't just forcing your way through a process. It's, let me me understand what it is that they're trying to solve. And then then I've got a pathway to overcome whatever those objections or obstacles are. Well, a lot of times those objections are because they just don't know because they're not educated in a certain area. They don't understand how the process works. And so they've got some preconceived notions about, well, this is how it is. Well, not necessarily. Let me educate you on how closings work and how title works and all the things that could be an obstacle in their minds. And so just gently, friendly, you know, education on here's how it works and here's how I can help you is a great way to overcome those obstacles. Yeah. And also why it's a process, right? I mean, a lot of times we're using trip campaigns, emails, text messages, stay top of mind. And then also recognizing it's not going to be one conversation, buy a property, flip it and turn it on. It's like a lot of times it's going to be multiple conversations to build relationships, to get to know the homeowner, understand kind of their perspective, have have a degree of empathy with what, what they're wrestling against, but it's a process and having the patience to build that rapport, build that relationship. So you really understand, okay, this is what we need to tackle. Right, right. No, I think that's money, man. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully there's some folks listening that uh, are interested in learning more about real estate, Kevin. T- tell them where they could go if they if they think for a second they might want to do this for a living. Well, I tell you what, we, we would love the opportunity to have a conversation with you. If you want to learn more about getting into real estate investing as a full-time gig, leaving your nine-to-five job, uh, actually, we got a website. I think we have a website we can point we them do. to. Is it Red, Red Barn Franchise? Red Barn Franchise. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Look at us turning the end of the podcast into a commercial. This is fantastic. It, it's not a commercial. It's a podcast, and it's helping people have a brighter future. Right. We're just here to help. You got a problem. The problem is you got a full time job that you don't like, and we're the problem solver. That's right. You've got a job that you hate. Sundays. <laughs> I, I wonder how many people out here listening to this get to Sunday and they're like, "Oh my gosh, I got to go to work tomorrow." Oh, you know, they just spend Sunday just with, you know, anxiety and dread. Yeah. We can solve that. We can solve that problem for we you. We can solve Again, that. Redbarnfranchise.com. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> we'll be waiting for that call. Nice. Love it. Kevin, let's uh, let's do this again next week. What do you think? Absolutely. Uh, and maybe let's book someone ahead of time so we don't have to just text them immediately. Yeah. Luckily, Michael Slockers was uh, available at the very last minute. He jumped into our Zoom room with us. Man, yeah, we'll have him back on. Well. You know, after he's done his hundredth deal, we'll have him back on. Tell us uh, how how his journey's been. That might be the end of this year. At his, at, his pace. at the pace he's going, it really could be. <laughs> All right, man. Check you later. All right, see you. 
Friends, thanks so much for making it all the way to the end of today's podcast. If you or possibly a friend has any interest in learning more about real estate investing or opportunities with Red Barn Home Buyers, take a minute and head on over to redbarnhomes.com and check out our investors page or our franchise page, or just drop us a note. We'd love to hear from you. Can't wait to see you on the next episode of The Deal Farm.